Hi, I'm Mel Clark, coming to you from the lands of the Gadigal people. This is ABC News Daily. At a football match in Western Sydney at the weekend, some of the supporters were doing Nazi salutes, booing the welcome to country and singing ultra-nationalist chants. It was a return to the ugly displays of violence and hatred between different ethnic groups which were once common in suburban clubs around the country. Today, Samantha Lewis, a football writer for the ABC, on how the beautiful game is still reckoning with its complicated history in Australia. Samantha, what happened at the Australia Cup? final last weekend. And tell me what the Australia Cup final is. So the Australia Cup is uh, a domestic football competition here in Australia. It pits not just professional clubs, but semi-professional, grassroots, amateur clubs, all against one another over the course of several months. And it culminated in a final between two really interesting clubs, which happened over the weekend. And those two clubs were really representative, I think, of the history of Australian football. One was MacArthur FC, who are the newest club in the professional A-League competition. They were only founded two years ago, and they came up against a club called Sydney United 58. And Sydney United 58 were formerly known as Sydney Croatia, and they were founded in Australia in the 1950s. So they're one of the oldest clubs in the country. So we've got new football and old soccer coming together head to head. We've got a a final, a big crowd. What happened? When the Welcome to Country was being performed, there was a section of Sydney United 58 fans who began to boo and whistle and sing songs. Aboriginal woman from the Darug people. I would like to acknowledge and pay respects to my ancestors whose footsteps I follow to my elders who walk beside me and to our young people who will then follow in the footsteps that we leave behind. Those noises continued during the Australian national anthem as well. And then during the game itself, there were a couple of uh, Sydney United fans who were caught on the broadcast camera performing the Nazi salute. And in addition to that, there were flags that were flown by supporters which had some problematic symbolism in terms of the history of Croatian politics. And larger to that, there were uh, a couple of chants that were performed in Croatian which have connections to some really dark moments in the history of Croatia. Football Australia has condemned the actions of a small minority of individuals and says it is working with police as investigations continue after eight people were evicted from the stadium. Sam, why is it that there are fans at a soccer match in Australia doing Nazi salutes and Croatian ultranationalist chants? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's complicated. Australian soccer is a patchwork of different cultures and histories and traditions. A number of the biggest and most historic clubs in the country were founded by migrant communities who came to Australia as refugees in the post-World War period and used clubs to 
I guess, produce community and to maintain their own languages, their own traditions, to meet others and to share experiences and build solidarity in a new nation, particularly a nation that didn't necessarily embrace migrants from that part of the world. We Croatians in Australia, we are grateful to great democratic Australia, our new homeland where we want to settle. And because they are a large community, as with any large community in any pocket of the world, there were a number of different political and ideological perspectives that came with that. So over time, these worldviews got tangled up. And part of, I think, the tension of this is that on the one hand, you had these internal sort of colliding worldviews and politics within clubs themselves. But at the same time, you had these clubs standing somewhat in opposition to the Anglo-Saxon Australia around them. The chant that a number of Sydney United supporters performed during the Australia Cup final, it's a chant that means uh, for homeland ready. And that chant can be interpreted particularly from Croatia as uh, in, in different kinds of ways. One of the reasons why it's problematic is because it was a chant that was used during the Second World War and is deeply connected to the Croatian Ustashe movement. And that was a movement that was ideologically aligned with Nazi Germany and with fascist Italy. The new Croatian army, under the banner of the Ustasha, began functioning alongside the German occupation forces. Croatian fascists ran amok through the country, committing violent acts of atrocity on fellow countrymen who refused to cooperate with the new Nazi regime. That's not really how the sport looks today with the A-League. It's very sleek, very professional, very mainstream. So how did that change happen? There have been a number of attempts throughout the history of Australian soccer to Australianise it, to remove it from its migrant and ethnic roots and to try and make it appeal to the mainstream, a.k.a. white Australia. So in 1996, there was a letter that was sent to all of the existing professional clubs in what was then called the National Soccer League. That was a league that was in decline. It had been in decline for a while. They were struggling to attract fans. They were struggling to attract sponsors. First, the soccer riot. No, not one in Europe or Latin America, but here in Sydney, in Asheville. Some branded the violence that followed the Footscray JUST in Sydney, Croatia soccer match as a rampage, a wild brawl involving more than 800 people that left Seems the like this have been all too frequent in Sydney, so much so that as from next month, ethnic flags and flares like this have been banned at all grounds under the jurisdiction of the New South Wales Federation. And this letter told these clubs, which included clubs like Sydney United 58, that they needed to remove all reference to nationality in their kits in their club names, in their colours, in every possible way that they could be identified. They had to de-ethnicise themselves in order to appeal to wider Australia. So clubs 
particularly those with these rich migrant histories, did not necessarily take that well. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> um, some of them did, some of them adapted and they uh, they modernised. They uh, invented new playing strips, they invented new logos, they invented new club names. So in 2005, we saw the launch of what is now the, the top flight men's competition here in Australia, the A-League. The Glory's A-League launch went off with a bang with the franchise now called the Perth Glory Football Club. Play football and not soccer. And these clubs were based not on the ethnic communities that founded them, but rather they were chosen strategically to represent regions. They were chosen to be vague and broadly representative of an area so that lots of different people from lots of different backgrounds could support them. The next phase... The next phase for Perth Glory will be its most exciting. We will call it the culturalisation of football, the world game. And it worked. For quite a while, uh, towards the start of the the history of the modern A-League, it worked. In part, it was a moment where there was a lot of attention on Australian soccer after the Socceroos qualified for the 2006 Men's World Cup, something that they hadn't done in over three decades. And a number of those Socceroos players played in the A-League. So there was a lot of attention, there was a lot of media. So it really kick-started the beginning of this new A-League and a lot of the older ethnic clubs, these migrant founded clubs, were sort of left in the dust. So the price of buying peace and success and even commercial viability was the suppression of the ethnic origin of the sport in this country. Yet we're still seeing these ultranationalist streaks return to the stands of matches as we saw at the match at the weekend. What's been the response from Sydney United 58, but also from the broader football community? So Sydney United 58, along with a number of other major organisations in Australian football, quite quickly released public statements, all of them condemning the acts of what they describe as a a handful of individuals. It's a couple of bad apples, they say. And that's a bit of a problem because as we've been talking about, these kinds of political and ideological worldviews are deeply interwoven sometimes in the histories and communities of these clubs. And it's interesting to try and figure out where exactly the line is between far-right politics and a fascist worldview. Where do you find and draw that line? And what kind of environment is being created in these clubs and communities where individuals feel safe enough or confident enough to stand in a football stadium and do a Nazi salute on national television. And it's going to be coming to a bit of a head over the next couple of years because Football Australia, who are the national governing body, have proposed the introduction of a national second division. And that's a division of soccer that's going to sit below the A-League. It's going to be fully professional. And a number of clubs, including Sydney United 58, have expressed interest in being part of this national second division. These conversations really need to happen now. How do you incorporate clubs with such complicated and identity-based histories and politics into a sport 
and into a competition that has been deliberately designed to be for everybody. Because football's you know greatest strength is that it, it is for everyone. It comes from everywhere, it, everyone understands it, everyone plays it, everyone supports it. And yet, at the same time, that's also part of the problem. Samantha Lewis is a football writer for ABC Sport. Football Australia has issued a lifetime ban on attending matches to one of the spectators for a fascist salute. It says it's still working to identify the others involved. This episode was produced by Flint Duxfield and Sydney Peed. The mix was by Chris Dengate and Sam Dunn. Supervising producer is Stephen Smiley. I'm Mel Clark. ABC News Daily will be back again tomorrow. You can find all of our episodes of the podcast on the ABC Listen app. And to get in touch with the team, email us at abcnewsdaily at abc.net.au. Thanks for listening.